You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. As most people listening to this will know, the wood duck is one of our most colorful, most widely distributed, and most heavily harvested species of ducks in North America. It is also one of our greatest wildlife conservation success stories, having been exploited almost to extinction during the early 20th century, but now among our most abundant duck species. Wood ducks are frequent visitors to streams, ponds, sloughs, lakes, and all other manner of wetlands in eastern North America throughout the year. And of course, we all know about wood duck nest boxes and their prominence in modern-day waterfowl management. In fact, most people listening to this have probably had their hands on a wood duck box somewhere along the way, either checking that box, constructing that box, or installing that box. Nest boxes have enabled a tremendous amount of study and yielded remarkable insights, some of which are foundational to understanding the ecology of this species, while others are just curious, entertaining glimpses into oddities of nature. We have an interesting story to tell today about each of these things, and I'm very excited to welcome to the podcast three individuals to help us with this discussion. First, Emily Miller, a graduate student at Clemson University. Emily, welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. Thank you. Very glad to be here. And next, Sam Fishman and Jake Marandino, both research technicians for Emily. Sam and Jake, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having us. So, Emily, let's start with you. I want to give each of you an opportunity to do an introduction of who you are, uh, and, uh, and we'll get into the, the topics at hand, some wood duck research, as well as a curious discovery that, that was made as part of this wood duck uh, research. But, Emily, first, with you, just give a brief introduction to who you are and, and what it is you're working on right now. Yeah, well, um, 
I graduated with my bachelor's in 2018 from SUNY Cobleskill in upstate New York. And then after that, I worked a couple of invertebrate jobs. And then I realized that I wanted to work with animals that had a backbone. So I started applying to a bunch of different positions. And I finally landed the spot down here in South Carolina, where we started the pilot study for this whole project. So that's got me where I am today. And now I'm a master's student at Clemson studying um, with the recruitment in these boxes. So it's very exciting. Very good. Sam, let's go to you right now and tell us uh, what it is you're up to these days. Okay. I graduated in 2018 from SUNY Cobleskill as well. Um, since then, I've been working with piping clovers the past two summers. And over the winters, I've been working on Long Island with um, the southern pine beetle, so some forestry management type stuff. And now I'm here. And Jake, let's uh, just get an introduction from you as well. Yes, sir. I actually uh, graduated in 2018 with my bachelor's from Texas A&M University of Kingsville. Um, since then, I actually worked for Texas Parks and Wildlife banding Maldivex in southeast Texas. Um, I worked Before that, I worked at a deer ranch for about five years, but figured I kind of wanted to stay in the path of the duck. So after that, I um, saw this job on Clemson Job Board and ended up in South Carolina doing the pilot study with Emily. And here we are the second year doing it again. Well, it's exciting to have the three of you on. Jake, I have to take a moment to to connect a couple of dots for the listeners. Your dad is Todd Marandino, and he's also been featured on a, on a previous podcast. Uh, I don't know, actually, at the time when I'm recording this, which of these is going to air first. But when people hear your voice and then hear his voice, there's going to be no doubt about the relationship between <laughs> you two. So yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, so it's just pretty neat. Times we sound the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And so it's just pretty neat and uh, to have that kind of uh, that lineage within this in this profession. And again, it's it's a delight to have the three of you on here. You're among the youngest of the guests that we've that we've had. And that in itself is an exciting, um, exciting milestone. You are uh, you're going to each play a role in the future of this profession. And and yeah, it's just really an it's an, it's an exciting time in your lives. Personally, I know as you're embarking on the careers and it's exciting time for me as well to kind of bring your voice and your experience and some of your observations to the listeners and the people that care about waterfowl and waterfowl conservation. So with that said, let's get into the into the conversation. And Emily, I'll start with you. We want to first talk about the wood duck research that you're involved in. Now, uh, this is part of a much larger study, and you'll tell us about that. But sort of as a, as a general rule, we want to save a lot of the details for that uh, uh, associated with that study for a later discussion, uh, because I know there's a number of people involved in it. But so I want you to just sort of lay out the the general the general nature of this research uh, and what it is that you're up to with respect to wood ducks. Yeah. So as you said, this is a huge collaborative study. We've got um, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, Delaware, and Maryland all involved in this research. And what we're doing is we're looking at wood duck, wood duck recruitment in these boxes. So we want to determine um, how many hens are returning each year and if these populations are self-sustainable or if they rely on immigrant hens to keep the population going. People may be listening to this and they think, well, wait a minute, we've studied wood duck boxes for for decades, surely we know how valuable they are and what their contribution is. But is that really is that really the case? What do we not know that has sort of stimulated this study? 
Well, there was another master's student a couple of years ago who did some research um, and he found he measured a bunch of different box variables and habitat variables. And he found some certain correlations between those variables and use and success in production. So that's another thing we're looking at as well. We're taking multiple box measurements, multiple habitat measurements to see if those correlate with use and success at different periods during the breeding season. So go through the the partnering universities as well. And this is probably an opportunity, to, if you can, to mention those other graduate students that are working on the project. We need to at least get their names out there. We'll have them on a, on a future episode. But who are those folks? I know they'd appreciate <laughs> hearing their names out there. We've got um, Dylan Backner at LSU. And then it's myself and another graduate student, Jacob Sherba, who are at, we're both at Clemson. How closely do you interact with the other students? Well, I interact with Jacob quite often because he's in charge of um, Georgia and Florida, and I've got North Carolina and South Carolina. So we keep in communication pretty regularly. Dylan's a little harder. He's over there in Louisiana. But um, normally we all send out update emails so everyone is involved, you know, duckling numbers, head numbers, all that kind of stuff. How many how many study sites are there combined across all the different uh, collaborate, collaborating graduate students? Sites, a large number, yeah. but between the <laughs> between the states, it's um, so myself. I have South Carolina and North Carolina. Jacob has Georgia and Florida, and then Dylan is responsible for Louisiana. So between the three graduate students, there's five states. Five states, but probably a dozen or more individual sites there where you're actually yes, checking yeah. boxes. <laughs> and, and how many and how many wood duck boxes are part of this entire study? I think I saw a number, uh, saw that number it's somewhere recently, into right? The thousands. Wow, it's truly a um, a monumental undertaking and. Graduate students can't do it alone. I, as a, as a graduate not. student, many many years ago, certainly know that it requires uh, it requires the dedication and the hard work of uh, of your assistants, your technicians, and I'm going to guess in this case uh, a fair number of those, given such an ambitious study. But uh, the two of the two of the technicians that are working on some of the work close to you are Sam and Jake. Sam, let me let me first ask you a question. What's it? You said previously that you worked on piping uh, piping plovers. How does this compare? How does working on wood ducks compare to plovers? It's very different. So when I was doing the piping plover work, you know, um, in the state of New York, they're considered an endangered species. So we can't touch them. We just build the exposures around them. And we monitor the broods from hatching to fledge. So I got, that was a cool thing to see. And then coming down here is way more interactive with like, you know, nest incubation and egg development and you get to put your hands on the birds. So that's fun too. So they're different, but I like to, I try to like bring in my clover experience to this experience and compare it. And sometimes it, you know, matches up. Sometimes it's like completely different because they're very different birds. Jake, is this your first summer as a technician on this wood duck study? Uh, there was a pilot season last There's year or something, right? There was a pilot season right? last year. I was involved with that, yes, sir. Okay. So, so this I've your, been involved your, with this since last January. Okay. So you're the old pro among the, uh, among the field technicians. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. And so you came from Texas. Uh, you've been lived in Texas all your life. I believe that's right. Uh, and now you're in, you've been in South Carolina for, for a few years. How do you like South Carolina compared to Texas? Um, I don't plan to go back to Texas. <laughs> does your dad know that? I, he will I, soon. I, he, he, do, he does know that, but um, 
he's fine with it. So I'll go and visit, uh, <laughs> but South Carolina, I'm here to stay. Oh, well, that's cool. That's cool to be able to to go to a place that you uh, that you end up enjoying, loving so much. So good for you. Um, so Emily, I actually want to come back to you for for one question here uh, before we get into the curious observation that Sam and Jake made that we want to talk about here in some in, at some length. Uh, Emily, how far along are you as well as the overall study? You know, in terms of what it is you're setting out to to accomplish. So this is the first field season for that for the whole regional project. Um, so we will finish roughly in July, mid to late July. But so for the master's student, this is their first field season, so their first year. So we have one more field season to go for us, and then we're moving on, and new graduate students are going to be coming in to keep this project going. Okay, so it's a four, five, six years or longer. Any idea on what's the, the duration that, that's being targeted? I believe the target would be five years, but we'll see. Hopefully we'll get there. I think we can. Wow. Uh, and I'll come back to you uh, later, Emily, if you can stick around for a bit longer, because um, I want to ask you, I want to ask you kind of big picture. We talked a little bit about the research, wanting to measure recruitment, measure some other things related to wood duck production from boxes. But I want to, I want to come back in the end and just sort of wrap this up and talk about once we answer those questions, what are we going to be able to do? What do we think we're going to be able to do better with respect to wood duck conservation, wood duck box programs, things of that nature? So you can, you can kind of be thinking about about that. But in the meantime, I want to go back to Sam and Jake. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have y'all on was an observation that you made during some recent field work. Uh, and I'll just sort of tee this up here briefly. But it was – you basically found an eastern screech owl that had incubated a wood duck egg. Not just incubated a wood duck egg, but hatched it as well and was trying to feed it a dead rat or something of that nature. So, uh, so Sam or Jake, who wants to go first? Who wants to give the introduction to how you made this observation and exactly what, you know, what you found? Okay. So, um, you know, we were out doing our routine box, box checks and we get a pretty good number of the screech owls like resting in the boxes during the day. So we usually just, you know, help them out of the box because we need hens in there. So we came up to this one box and there was a screech owl in it on top of two wood duck eggs and one of, I'm going to say her, her own. Um, and so we actually, we picked her up and she like came to for a few seconds and then grabbed onto my glove and then fell back asleep. So I like took off the glove, put her back in the box on the eggs. And um, we were like, we'll just check it next week. And she was in there, so we thought we'd keep it going, do our own little research. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, for people that may not know, screech owls are cavity nesting birds, right? Uh, and so, but now you said that you thought they were just resting during the day in the wood duck boxes. Is that is that common, or if they're in there, are they? Do, do the males go in to rest, or or the females going in there exclusively to nest? What's going on there with the with them? So we've had many instances where we have the screech owls in the boxes, and like Sam said, you know, we get them out so the hens can nest. But most of the time, those owls won't come back. This time she did, and she came back every single time we checked that box. We did have one box where there were two screech owls in one box, so that was cool to see. I think they were just, you know, resting. Yeah. Roosting for the day, so hunting at night. Okay. All right. Uh, so, yeah, screech owls are, 
I mean, they're cute little you know, birds of prey. I, we have some here on our property in, in West Tennessee, and they're they're just the coolest birds. They're, I don't know, they're about about the size of a blue-winged teal. Since this is a Ducks Unlimited podcast, we'll relate it to the size of a duck. They're probably maybe even more like a green-winged teal if you were to stand a green-winged teal upright. Yes. <laughs> you and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our long-time partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation, take it outside. What other kind of birds have you seen or have you documented or else do you know about nesting in wood duck boxes? So we know like the mergansers will nest in the boxes, um, whistling ducks, but we don't get them here. We People, I think Louisiana. I think, yeah, I think their range kind of, we're kind of at the very end of the black belly range. And I think they nest a little bit later. They nest after the wood ducks if they are here, but we're right at the very end of their range. But we've actually had, we just got a great crested flycatcher nest in one of the boxes. So we just let that be. I was wondering if you were going to mention that because I, we, we have a wood duck box on the back end of our property and, uh, and we have lots of great crested flycatchers here on the property. And, and I hear their, their call and I know what they sound like and what they look like. And we were out the other day and I looked down towards the, towards the little pond where the, the box is and I, I told my wife I think that great crested flycatcher is going in the box and I didn't realize that that uh, great crested flycatchers were cavity nesters but in fact they are and and so I did a little bit of research and found that indeed they have been shown to uh, they'll nest in wood duck boxes and people actually can construct and erect uh, boxes for for flycatchers like that so yeah that's pretty cool the other cool thing about that is that they'll bring in nesting material. So wood ducks won't, you know, we'll just provide them with the shavings and then they'll use the down. And when we found the screech owl, it didn't have any nesting material either. So then when we come across boxes and there's a bunch of pine needles all constructed in this little tube-like thing, it's, um, yeah, we 
And then we found eggs in it and we were like, oh, this is the great crested flycatcher nest. So Very cool. And is it still in there? It is. Okay. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. So let's go back to the screech owl. Just to give people an idea of the, the type of field work that you do, how many boxes, uh, Jake, and uh, Jake, I'll ask you, how many boxes are you and Sam responsible for checking here? We are responsible for 182 boxes a week. So they're broken up into five study sites. Okay. Five study sites, 182 boxes, and you check each box weekly. Right. Yeah. How many times have you been stung by wasps? Actually, <laughs> zero. Yeah. We are very careful. It's, it, we, they're not too aggressive. They're scarier than they look or like than they act. So it's really not that bad. Yeah. Well, I'll Plus have to disagree with you on that. I've had some bad experiences with wasps, so we'll disagree on whether they're that bad or not. Um, uh, what about snakes? Uh, of course, we all know the importance of predator guards and the, how they're, we, we need those on, those, on, on the, the structures in order to keep the snakes away. Have you found any snakes in the boxes? That is one of the most efficient predators. Yeah. There's a yellow rat snake. Ah, okay. We have, we have tons, and we are actually marking them, and we've found the same ones coming back to the, like, almost the same exact box. The, the snakes. The snakes are, mm -hmm. they have a routine. Okay. Right. We've wow. gotten multiple snakes in the same box at the same time. You guys have actually recaptured, yeah, one snake um, three times. So it probably had a good meal the first couple of times it was there, right? Yeah. It, 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 yep. it said I the meal... The meal was worth the harassment that it received every time it was found. Every single time I go in that box, I get a meal. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, back to the screech owl. Do we know, um, Jake, I'll ask you, do we know which was there first? Was was the screech owl egg there for first or was the were the wood duck eggs there first? The wood duck eggs were there first. We never caught a hen in there. We believe she was buzzing around, dumping her eggs, and then now we came in. You mentioned one of the things that I wanted to, to talk about, and so Jake, you can do it, or Emily, or whoever wants, but Jake, I'll, I'll let you have first crack at this, uh, nest dumping. Tell us, a, how would that even be where you have, a, uh, you have an egg in a box that a hen just kind of gives up on? What's, what's going on there? Um, I think she's just trying to, you know, increase the chance of survival for her eggs. You know, dumping in multiple boxes to get the more ducklings in the population. But basically, meaning when we say dumping, we mean that that these hens will go to multiple, either multiple hens will go and lay an egg in in the same box, or a hen will go and lay an egg in multiple boxes. I think I said that right. Correct. Right. Correct. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And so it's a form of nest parasitism when you get multiple hens laying eggs in the same box. It's something called nest parasitism. And actually, we're going to have Dr. John Eady on an episode to talk about his exciting work with wood ducks out in California, where he's using these uh, these pit tags. You know, the little, the, mm -hmm. the transponders, and he's got the pit tag readers on the boxes and the data that they've been able to uncover there with respect to which females are laying eggs in which boxes and how many females are laying eggs in a single box. It's just astounding. So he'll be able to share a lot more insight on that in great, great detail. But yeah, the wood ducks have this tendency to, um, and, and some other ducks as well, redheads are really known for it, of just, of, of, of depositing their eggs in the nest, in this case, nest boxes that they may not have any allegiance to. Uh, and so that could be the situation here where some hens laid their eggs in these boxes and they were counting on somebody else, another wood duck hen perhaps is what they had in mind, to incubate those eggs and then hatch their 
offspring and then care for their offspring. It sounds like a, a great model, right? You have the, have the, have the ducklings and let somebody else take care of them. So that's kind of their strategy there. <laughs> well, that, Hannah, I'm guessing probably wasn't counting on a screech owl being the one to incubate sure. and hatch those eggs. Um, so Sam, had you ever heard of anything like that? Were you totally shocked whenever you saw that, when you realized that the, the, the female was, well, first I have two questions. So that's one, were you shocked when you first realized what was happening? But then the other question is, what happened to the wood duck eggs? There were two, or, well, I think there were two wood duck eggs and a screech owl egg, right? So what mm-hmm. happened to the other, what happened to the other eggs along the way? Um, I'll answer your first question first. Um, I was, I wasn't too surprised. Like it was awesome to see, but I feel like, um, you know, birds will, they're sometimes confused. They'll like, you know, be like, okay, this is an egg. I can sit on this. I'll like lay one of my own. So that was really cool. And then, um, yeah, so it incubated two of the wood duck eggs and then its own egg went missing and it, it hatched the ducklings, you know, they were, they were fine. So, so it did hatch, it hatched both wood duck eggs. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so okay, I missed when that. we were doing, Yes. When we were doing our routine box checks, you know, we found the owl incubating on April 3rd and then we came back a week later and I candled the eggs to see if there was any development to see if we should leave it or dump it. And um, there was some development and there was development in the owl egg too. So I just let it be. And then um, I couldn't really find any pictures to help me out with how far along the owl egg was developed. But it was, I'm going to say it was about halfway comparing it to what I've been seeing with the wood duck eggs development. And um, so, yeah, we just let it play out. But the screech owls, they incubate their eggs longer than wood ducks. So they'll do 29 to 31 days and um, wood ducks will do 27, of course, give or take. Um, But yeah, so the ducklings came first before the owl. Well, my money is on that rat snake being responsible for the loss of that uh, that screech owl egg. That, that's that's all I'm saying. And it it, it went for it. screech owl eggs a little bit smaller. Maybe it thought this is going to be an easier meal, and who knows? Maybe the screech owl then said, "Okay, that's enough." Um, maybe maybe they're more aggressive. I don't know. So this screech owl incubates and hatches the the wood duck eggs. I mean, whenever I first saw your email about that, I thought, "Well, that's not a." It's not a really good situation for that duckling. Here it is in the nest of a of a, of a predator, right? Of, of now, yes. whether a I guess a screech owl could um, could catch and kill and eat a a, a duckling is you know probably small enough to do so. Certainly could, but that actually didn't happen in this case. And so one of the one of the curious things about this situation is the difference in the stage of development of of owlets, I guess they're called, and ducklings um, at the time of hatch is that that the owlets are something that's called altricial. That means they're very uh, underdeveloped, um, very primitive in their development. They're they're featherless at that time, and they rely on the parents to feed them, uh, much like our passerine songbirds that people are familiar with, as opposed to waterfowl, ducks, geese, swans. They are their their young are precocial, meaning they're they're they have down at the time of, of hatch and within 24 hours they're able to leave and they're, they're able to move on their own and procure their, their own food. So, so, so that was actually pretty curious, pretty interesting. I saw the, the picture that you, that you took, or no, it was actually a video where you, mm-hmm. uh, you, you open the box and here's the screech owl and then 
out from behind the screech owl runs this little runs this little fluffy wood duck duckling. Then over in the (laughs) corner, I saw something else. And I'll tell you at first, whenever I saw that over in the corner, I thought it was the other wood duck duckling that it had killed or something, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. What was, what was that other thing that was in that wood duck box? So that was a mouse. And that was, that's a great point because I was really concerned about that while we were waiting for this whole thing to play out. I was wondering, I was like, the ducklings are going to hatch and this owl is going to, you know, think they're a meal or think they're a threat to its own egg. So it's going to kill it. But um, yeah, so when we came up to the box, there is the duckling running around, around in the box and the owl was sleeping and there was a mouse in the corner. So that's what you were seeing. And that's what I thought. I thought it was actually the owl chick that had hatched. And I was like, oh, it doesn't, it's a mouse. It's got a tail. Like, and then there were also two tree frogs in the box. So I think this owl was going out, bringing food for the duckling and the duckling was not eating any of it, of course. And um, so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that's really, that's a really fascinating story and a really neat observation and just shows that there are weird things that happen in nature sometimes. And in some cases they work out. So, um, okay. The big question that people are going to have now, well, what was the fate of the, of the ducklings? Uh, Jake, I'll let you take that one. What happened to these things? As part of the study, we web tagged the ducklings. The ducklings actually hatched a day apart from each other. So in that video, you had the duckling. Fortunately, we had a box in another flat that hatched ducklings. So we just kind of made a little delivery and then, the next day I went back, other duckling was hatched, another box was hatching another flat and made another delivery. So beyond that, beyond they were they were good and healthy. Beyond that, it was up to them. Okay. All right. So we expect though, based on I, I actually I saw the other paper that you had shared in the email that I referenced earlier, which I documented this this occurrence uh, in Manitoba, I think, is actually where that study was. But it was a study of screech owls uh, and that had it documented wood ducks nesting in these screech owl boxes. And then the screech owls, I believe, if I remember this correctly, actually hatched some wood duck um, ducklings. And then those ducklings were documented having exited the box within 24 or 48 hours. And so, I mean, as far as we know, that's what would have happened to these ducklings as well, right? Yeah. Um, we, we feel like they would have they would have had, you know, instinct to, you know, I got to eat, I got to get out of this hole. So they would have, we believe they would have jumped. Because even yeah. observing them when they, you know, when they leave the box, they'll dive right. right away. And I'm like, that's crazy. They know within hours of, you know, being in the world, like, this is what I have to do. So Yeah, and they're probably thinking this crazy mom that I have is bringing me these big old rats <laughs> to try to feed me and these frogs. And that's not like what I eat. So what's up with that? Yeah. You know, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I thought this was a really interesting story and wanted to share it. Maybe people learned something they didn't previously know. We've learned a lot from all the studies of wood ducks and wood duck boxes over the years. And these stories are just an example of some of the curious insights that they that they provide. Sam and Jake, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your experiences with one of these uh, curious cases. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, Emily, back to you now. The big question with respect to this research, and in addition to these these inter- interesting, entertaining stories and insights into nature, there are there are major uh, applied questions, management questions associated with this research. So, like it, to the to the average listener, how would you describe what it is that you're hoping to learn and all your partners are hoping to learn through this research? Well, overall, you know, it's just, as with many studies, it's better management for the species. 
you know, we have thousands and thousands of wood duck boxes across these flyaways, and there hasn't been a whole lot of research looking at um, recruitment numbers from these boxes. So how many of these hens come back to nest? So that's really mainly what we want to look at to see if these programs are doing what we want them to do. And for my main focus for my thesis is I'm looking at predations. So vegetation removal, all that stuff to try to reduce the number of snakes in the boxes and those predators. Um, Jacob Sherba, the other master student, he's looking at the microbial ecology of the box. So what bacteria influence um, the decaying process and all, what, if they influence hatching, stuff like that. And then the other master student, Dylan in Louisiana, he's also looking at black-bellied whistling ducks and their nesting in the wood duck boxes and their temporal overlap with the wood ducks. So just overall, it's just a lot of questions we're trying to answer, but definitely want to see how many of these hens are coming back. Yeah. And so then what about questions related to the the placement of boxes? That's one of the, that's a common question. You know, where do I need to put the boxes? How far apart can I space them if I want to put up multiple boxes? Uh, what size? But I know there was in the past, there mm-hmm. were some, there were some experiments with smaller boxes versus larger boxes. Are those the type of questions that you and your research team and collaborators are revisiting in any way? Yes, definitely. So we're actually looking at like box size and vegetation, as I mentioned previously. So we're at every single box, we're taking internal measurements for to get the internal volume. Um, we're also doing the habitat measurements, so um, canopy cover, visual obstruction, all that stuff to see if those influence use and selection and predation too. Because if you got have a, bo- a box close to close enough to some vegetation, it's overhanging. Snakes are definitely going to find their way in. Well, it certainly sounds like you have your hands full, and it's a good thing <laughs> that you have a very you have a very capable. Um, group of, of helpers and technicians and, and collaborators all across the eastern U.S., it sounds like. And so, uh, good luck the rest of the way. I really appreciate you, uh, the three of you joining us. Uh, I, I, I'm serious and sincere about how exciting it is to have some of the next generation of waterfowl managers and waterfowl conservationists uh, join us here on the show that you all have a have a role to play going forward and and i'm excited to hear what you what you learn i'm certainly excited to to watch you and and interact with you as you go throughout your career so thanks again for joining us uh it's been great having you on the podcast thank Thank you you. thank you very much for having us A special thanks to our guest on today's show, Emily Miller, graduate student at Clemson University and her technicians, Sam Fishman and Jake Marandino. We appreciate them sharing their time and sharing their insights into into some really exciting wood duck research that they're they're contributing to. As always, we thank our producer, Clay Baird, for the great work that he does in editing these podcasts and, and getting them out to you. And of course, the listeners, you're the most important part of this venture. We thank you for your time. We thank you for spending it with us. And we thank you for your support, passion, and commitment to wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. 
Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. 